Well, hello to uh, all who are watching on internet right now, uh, to all who are watching this uh, via video at the North Richland Hills campus or at South Lake campus. You'll notice I did not say West Fort Worth because I am speaking live this weekend at West Fort Worth. I look forward to that. Every time I speak at West Fort Worth, I leave and think, I wish I could be at West Fort Worth every week. And then when I speak at South Lake, I think, I wish I could be at South Lake every week. And then when I walk to my car every week after preaching at North Richland Hills, I think I must be the blessed preacher in the world to be able to speak at North Richland Hills every week. Good things are happening at our church right now. Uh, I want to especially give some kudos to those of you at South Lake. Uh, This past week, some of our young people went to the Pregnancy Help for You uh, Center there in Keller, and they uh, did some work in the offices and in landscaping to be a blessing to that incredible ministry that we help support that helps young women in crisis make a decision for life. And so I'm real proud of our teens out at Southlake. And also, Southlake just had a sports camp. They had over 300 children. Watch this video as I speak. Uh, they had classes on drumming, basketball, soccer, cheerleading, uh, and just general chaos in the name of Jesus. Over 100 adults And it was a great, great week. And so I'm real proud of the good things happening right now at Southlake Campus. And uh, I know that they're going to follow up on all these opportunities just to continue to make Jesus look good. So thank you, Southlake, for the good things that you're doing. And I want to say real quick, I am so thankful for the great attitudes of all of you that worship usually here at the North Richmond Hills Campus. We're uh, out of our auditorium now for almost four months which means we're almost to the halfway point of being back in. I'm going to show you some pictures soon. It's still at that part of construction where there's not a lot to show because most of what they're doing now, important as it is, doesn't really show up on a camera. But it will soon. It will bring you some pictures. Uh, But in the meantime, you've had to handle new venues and new times, and you've done so marvelously. Uh, The last uh, several weekends, we've had road construction issues and the bridges out. And you have uh, managed that uh, magnificently like I knew you would. And I just want to say to all of you that worship at North Richland Hills, thanks for having such great attitudes. Simper Gumby, always flexible. I I do think it interesting now that because of the way we are having to uh, operate as a church, more people in our church right now are watching me on a screen than actually watching me live. And uh, it's interesting, some of the feedback I get. For example, uh, last uh, weekend, I was live in the acapella services. And one of the young ladies mentioned on her phone that she uh, saw Rick preach in the flesh. (laughs) Well, I would like to say to everyone who saw that, that I always preach fully clothed. (laughs) And make sure that that word gets out to people. But I am very, very thankful to be a part of this church, and I mean that with all my heart. So, let's continue our study of anothering. Irma Bombeck, one of my favorite authors, once shared with her readers a list of her New Year's resolutions. They included, I'm going to clean this stump just as soon as the kids grow up. 
that I will go to no doctor whose office plants have died, (laughs) that I'm going to follow my husband's suggestion to put a little excitement into my life by living within our budget. I'm going to apply for a hardship scholarship to Weight Watchers. I will never loan my car to anyone I've given birth to. And finally, and just like last year, I'm going to remember that my children need love the most when they deserve it the least. See, we've said that love is a resource given by God to another as Jesus has called us to another. Remember what he said, the golden rule? Treat people like you want to be treated. Jesus takes it up to the platinum rule. Treat people the way I treated you. To love like that is going to require the supply of God. And so love is a resource given by God through his Holy Spirit. But we've also said love is a resolve. It is a decision made by his children. Nobody stumbles their way into better anothering. Anotherers are deciders. They have decided to get serious about relationships because they are serious about discipleship. And solitary discipleship is a contradiction in terms. So what we're going to do now in our series is we're going to begin to explore at a more practical level, what does it mean to decide to another at a new level? We're going to talk about encouraging one another and greeting one another and accepting one another and forgiving one another. But I want to begin with what I think is the piece we have to build on. And it's not where I think most of us would think we would start, but I'm convinced it's where we must start. We must remember to member. Let me explain by asking you to look with me at Romans 12, verse 4 and 5. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And I'm persuaded we cannot become better anotherers until we get a better understanding of what it means to be a member. You see, anothering is intentional, but it's not institutional. Let me unpack that. You know that one of the most unique doctrines of the Christian faith is the Incarnation. There's no other religion in the world that has the idea that God has become flesh. In fact, some religions would call that heresy. But we believe God has become flesh in the person of Jesus, has become one of us, the doctrine of incarnation. But also unique to the Christian faith is what I would call the doctrine of the continuing incarnation. You see, in one sense, we know that Jesus now in the flesh is in heaven at the right hand of God. But in another sense, just as rule, Jesus is also in the flesh on the earth through his body, the church. 
Colossians 1.18 says that Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. Now get this, it's important. This means that fundamentally, the church is an organism. It is not an organization. If you look at the metaphors for the church in the New Testament, you will notice they all have this constant theme of being living things, like vine or bride. Or even when the church is called a temple, Peter says, and we are living stones. Now, this is significant for this reason. Because typically, when we want to improve something, we think the way to do it is better systems and better structures. We think organizationally. But programmed anothering is an organizational attempt to correct an organic problem. Anothering has got to be intentional, but it's got to transcend the institutional. The church is Jesus' body, and that gives the idea of membership a completely different paradigm. And I would suggest that most of the ways that we use the word member among ourselves is foreign to the New Testament understanding of that word. That in the New Testament, membership is something you practice, not place. And if you have much of a church background, you are probably familiar with a popular expression among churches, and that is, have you placed your membership? And that is an organizational concept. It reflects a church as club mentality. Now, most of you have at one time in your life or another been a member of a club. Maybe it was a parent-teacher's organization, a gardening club, a book club. Maybe you are a part of a booster club that supports athletic teams at your school. We know what it means to be a part of a club. Now, in a club, how do you remain a member in good standing? You have to do three things. You have to attend the meetings, at least occasionally. You have to keep the rules of the club. And you have to pay your dues. Now, that defines for many churches what it means to be a good member. Well, you know, they come at least a couple times a month. I don't know of any big scandal in their life, and they give a little. Yes, they are a good member of our church. Is that how the words used in the New Testament? I have, in the course of my life, several times been a member of a golf club. And by that kind of definition, here's important. I don't have to know anybody at that club to be a good member. I don't have to love anybody. I don't even have to like anybody in that club. 
I just have to keep the rules and pay my dues. And if I will keep the rules and pay my dues, they don't care if I even show up. I'm still a good member. Now, if we do church this way, we will never excel at anothering. Because this definition does not require you to belong to anyone else. But the Bible says we are each members of the body of Christ and all the members belong to each other. As long as membership is something that you place, it will be possible for members to lose their place and nobody will even know it. But could you lose a member of your physical body and not know it? Did your child ever come home from school and you say, where's your arm? I don't know, mom. I had it when I left this morning. I don't know. Maybe it's still in the locker. You cannot lose a member of a body and not know it. If you were driving down the street and you saw a building under construction and there's a bunch of bricks in front of that building in a pile that they're using to build the wall. The wall's about halfway built, the bricks about halfway up, and the rest are in a pile. And you wanted to steal some bricks. Where would you go to steal the bricks? Would you go to the wall where they're mortared and connected, or would you go to the pile where they're together but not connected? And if Satan is going to try to steal members... Where's he going to go? You see, if we are going to raise the level of anothering at the hills, we're going to have to consciously remember to member as a body and not as a club. And what would that practice mean for us. Well, I'm going to read a long text, and we're going to see in a real practical way what it would mean if we took seriously the New Testament definition of membership. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you're the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. So what does this mean? To remember, to member biblically. Well, the first thing it means is that no one among us is sufficient. The concept of body membership challenges the value that our culture places on independence. Because this is not how a body thinks. My hand, for example is a very, very valued part of my body. I use my hand to drive, to hold a golf club, to comb my hair, to put pizza into my mouth. (laughs) And my hand is very useful as long as it belongs to the rest of the body. Cut this hand off, and all it will do is putrefy and rot. Now, consequently, I don't need any of you. Simply isn't a part of an another's vocabulary. Look at how verse 19 reads from the message. I want you to think how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, It is only because of what you are a part of. See, the body values participation, not isolation. Let me illustrate. When we adopted our very first child, a boy named Michael, I got to share with Jamie, as an adoptive father, the joys of feeding. And so one day, Michael is on my lap, and he's been fighting some kind of a virus. And I am introducing Michael to the Gerber family. And the Gerber family decides to visit the body. And as the Gerber family enters the body, they're met by greeters called the gastric juices. They had a pleasant exchange. Who are you? We're the Gerbers. Well, we're the gastric juices. We're so glad you're a part of Michael's body. Oh, no, we haven't come to be a part of Michael's body. Well, no, that's how this works, is that we come and we incorporate you into the body. We don't want to be incorporated. We we, we want to keep our identity. The gastric juices said to the Gerbers, you don't understand. That's not how things happen. We help you get dissolved into the body. And the Gerber says, you don't understand. We have no intention of being dissolved. We're going to keep our identity. And the gastric juices says, you don't understand. Either you become a part of the body or you have to leave. (laughs) Now, can you guess what happened? The body disfellowshipped the Gerbers all over my pants. 
Because this is how bodies work. Isn't it interesting that Jesus wrote to a church in Laodicea and he criticized their self-sufficiency. He says, you say, I have need of nothing. And Jesus says, keep up that kind of talk. I'll spew you out of my mouth. Another's, I'm about to lay something heavy on you, listen close. Another's understand they don't just need to love, but they need the people that they need to love. Because nobody in the body is sufficient. That's what would happen among us if we began to member biblically. Another thing, we would realize anyone's important. Body membership doesn't value sufficiency. It does value equality. Look again at verse 13. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Greeks. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. But we're all baptized into one body through one spirit. And we're all made to share in the one spirit. The world had never seen anything like this. Where ethnic walls and gender walls and socioeconomic walls disappeared. Where people belonged to each other across all those divisions that have been separating men and women since the fall. Now, club membership doesn't do that. In fact, you already know how to decide who's most important in a club. Visibility. Whose pictures are on the walls? Whose names are on the front of the program? Who sits up at the head table? And it's so easy and so unhealthy to carry that kind of thinking into the church. Bodies don't think that way. Bodies understand that those members of the body you can't see are just as and maybe even more important than those members that you can see. You can see my two hands. You cannot see my two lungs. Now, my hands are prettier. I would rather have a picture of my two hands than a picture of my two lungs. But if I had to choose, I'd rather have my two lungs. And when the church is at her best, she understands that there are so many people giving so selflessly that never get applauded, that rarely get noted. And that's okay because they're members of A body, not a club. You see, anothering goes to a new level when we start to understand we're all on the same level. And you know what? Your body gets this. Paul says, in the body, every member rejoices with one member. 
this past week, I was having problems with ringing in my ears. It was because of a, some blockage in that tube that goes up to the ear canal. And so I took some medicine, cleared up that blockage, and now my ears are better. But let me tell you something. The whole body is rejoicing over this. Because that problem in my ears was a bothering the whole body. Or, not too long ago, I got up in the middle of the night. Now, you young people cannot understand why I would do that, but you wait, someday you will. <laughs> and as I was coming back to my bed, a walk I have made many times, somehow this time, Jamie's dresser got in the way of my little toe. And I stubbed that toe. Now, I would guess that some would say my little toe is not the most important part of my body. But let me tell you something. The whole body suffered with that little toe. Now, I don't know how to dance, but let me tell you, I threw down some moves. My feet started hopping and my hips started swiveling and my shoulders were turning and even my hands were shaking and my head was thinking, help the little toe, help the little toe, do something for that little toe. (laughs) Paul says, verse 25, God wanted the different parts to care the same for each other. That just doesn't happen in clubs. It happens in bodies. I'm not opposed to programs and systems. Programming can promote care, but programming can't produce care. We're not going to care and need programs until we understand we belong to each other. And so another's care because they understand, I am connected in some way I don't even completely understand because you're in Christ and I'm in Christ, we're connected. And if it's affecting you in a way I don't even completely understand, it is affecting me because we are members of one another. And so anyone's important in this church. And one more thing, it means that everyone's tolerant. Now, what do I mean by that? In a club, each member can go his own way. But in a body, the parts submit to the will of the whole. And so you remember last year when I was training for a marathon, I'm out on a run one day on a path near my home. And my whole body was on the same agenda to run this path. However, my right foot missed the memo. And that sidewalk had a place about an inch above the ground, and I put my foot on that place, and my ankle turned, and the whole body fell violently, and I really jammed my shoulder hard, all because one little part of my body wasn't on the program. The whole body, when it was able to get back up, rebuked the right foot (laughs) and made it clear it didn't have permission to do its own thing. Look at verse 12 from the message. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he, Jesus, 
has the final say in everything. Let me tell you something about anotherers. They're great submitters. Anotherers don't have to have their own way. They can tolerate almost anything if it's blessing the rest of the body. Now, this is a maturity level, frankly, many churches just never get to. This is why so many churches fight and feud and fuss. Because they're not members belonging to each other, but they're parts each thinking about their own preferences. But in a body, mutual harmony is more important than personal preference. It's one of the things I love most about this church. I look back over our last number of years, the changes we've gone through, the traditions we've broken past, the different ways we do things in different places, because we understand it's more important to bless the body than to have my preference. That's what's beautiful. That's why people of different colors are coming to this church. That's why on almost any Sunday, I can see a 84-year-old woman and a 16-year-old boy with a nose ring sitting together. And the only thing they have in common is blue hair, and they both love Jesus. (laughs) Peanuts comic strip had Linus watching TV, and Lucy comes in and says, change the channel to such and such. And he says, why should I change the channel? I was here first. And Lucy says... These five fingers, individually they may not look like much, but when they come together, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. (laughs) And Linus leaves the room and looks at his hand and says, why can't you guys get organized like that? (laughs) Because when a body comes together and all the members work together for Jesus' agenda, it is a powerful thing. And Satan knows this. Satan knows the power of a healthy body. So he is diligent to sow discord. Think about it. It's so much easier for Satan to create strife among Christians who think they're a part of a club. And if they don't get their way, they'll just go to the club down the street. Then it is for Satan to infect Christians who say, I belong to this body. Now, most bodies don't die from external causes. Most of us are not going to die from an accident or an act of violence, most of us are going to die because at some point, a cancer, a neurological disorder, at some point, internally, the body will start to attack itself. And this is how most churches die. Because Satan is able to sow discord among the members. And so, Ephesians 4.3 will never ever be unimportant. We make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Anotherers make body fitness a priority, especially by constantly 
exercising their grace and their humility muscles. So let me ask you a question. How healthy would our body be if everyone practiced your kind of membership? At Southlake, here at North Richland Hills, if everyone else was your kind of member, would this body be healthy? Do you belong or do you just kind of tag along? Several years ago, there was a movie called Coach Carter, true story, about a man named Ken Carter. He ran a sporting goods store in Richmond, California, and there was a school there in a very troubled part of town that had a lot of problems. And because no one else wanted to, he took over the basketball program. He was disappointed to learn that there was little discipline, there was low academics, and he decided he was going to be what those boys needed. He insisted on good dress, good grades, and good character. And you can imagine early on there was a lot of opposition. One of the star players with whom many of the team mates had had issues bucked the system and he was told he was no longer on the team. And so you know at some point there's going to be a crucial turning point in this story. It's going to go one way or the other. This boy comes back. He asked to be reinstated. Coach Carter says, you've got to do, uh, I think it was... 2,500 push-ups and 1,000 suicide drills by Friday to be back on this team. And even coach said, that's impossible. I want you to watch this video clip because this was a turning moment. All right, that's it for today. We have a game tomorrow, so get some rest tonight. Remember, ties and jackets tomorrow. Clap. Mr. Cruz, I'm impressed with what you've done, but you came up short. You owe me 80 suicides and 500 push-ups. Please leave my gym. Thanks, Clyde. Gentlemen, see you tomorrow. I'll do push-ups for him. You said we're a team. One person struggles and we all struggle. One player triumphs, we all triumph, right? I'll do some. I'll run suicides too.
I do some too. There are a few sermons I've preached where the enemy hopes you weren't listening more than this one. Religious clubs give him very little problem. But he is extremely threatened by a healthy body of Christ. Let's threaten the enemy. Bow your heads, please. And so, God, help us to remember to member. And we understand, Father, that in some level we don't understand. How am I connected to people I barely know and don't see as often as I would like? But I am. Through Christ, I really am connected. Their spiritual well-being affects me. And somehow every victory I win and every step of progress I make blesses them. We are members of each other. And so God, help us to take it to another level. Help us to be the body of Jesus. The world will know that the one who came and the one who's coming is still here. We ask this in his name. Amen. Now for the next few moments, we're going to be the body of Christ. What does that mean? I mean, we're going to do several things. Can a body do more than one thing at a time? Absolutely. That's how bodies do things. So we're going to take up an offering the next few moments. Go ahead and take your places, guys. We're going to pray for each other the next few moments. If you're on the prayer team, come on down here. We're about to pray for each other. We're going to let people come and who want to accept Christ and be baptized. We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to do it all because we're the body. So stand up. Let's be the body of Christ.